Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so these last two podcasts, I've been talking about the set Odyssey. So today, I'm going to be talking about cards from Odyssey. Uh, it's my card by card day. Now, I have a lot of cards to talk about, so I'm not quite sure whether or not this is going to be um, one uh, car ride or two car rides, but we will see. My gut is actually two car rides, since I have a lot to say. But I will just keep talking, and we'll see how far I get. Okay, so we're going to start with a Togatog. So, a Togatog was actually not made for Odyssey. A Togatog was made for um, Unglued 2, uh, the unset that never got made that I did a podcast about a while back. Um, I made it for that set. Uh, the art was done for that set. In fact, there's probably probably a hidden vegetable in there somewhere. But anyway, um, Randy Bueller, who was the lead developer for Odyssey, um, really wanted to add a cycle of ATOGs. Um, and, oh, because ATOGs just worked well because they could... You could sack cards from your hand, and they could sack things from play, and you could eat things in the graveyard, and just... They tended to... He thought it would do good for zone changing, and, and uh, he wanted a cycle of ATOGs. Um, which, interesting, he and I then worked out. Um, he told me he wanted a cycle of ATOGs, and my suggestion was then to do a series of, of multicolored ATOGs, in which each one ate one of two things, and the things were tied to their color. So, like, blue... Uh, eight cards from your hand, you discarded a card. Where black, eight cards out of the graveyard. You know, each one was thematically tied. And then they'd be two-colored ATOGs, since we had never done two-colored ATOGs, and that each one would eat those component pieces. Um, I'll talk about that a little more when I get down to Psychotog, which is probably the most famous one of the bunch. Um, but at, anyway, we had made these cycle of ATOGs, and then I said to Randy, I go, Randy, I've got the card for you. Now that I have the card, I have the art. And I showed him a Togatog, uh, and if you notice in the art, what it is, it's, it's, the, it's a Togatog with all five of the previous Atogs in the art. Anyway, uh, ran, I, I won Randy over, a Togatog went in. I think in the original unset, he, he I forget what, he ate something weird. We, we turned him in, um, or did he always eat, maybe he always ate Atogs. I guess he always did eat Atogs. But there was another, I forget what it was. There was something weird about him in the unset, so it, it justified him being in an unset. Um, but anyway, it was an ATOG that ate ATOGs. I guess that part was the same. Um, there's something else that was... I don't remember the weird part about him. Um, next, Avon Shrine and the series of shrines. Uh, Cabal Shrine, Cephalid Shrine, Dwarven Shrine, and... Uh, I forget the name of the Green Shrine. Anyway, interesting, we would later go on to do shrines uh, with a shrine subtype in Kamigawa. Um, this set, though, was... Um, what we were trying to do was, I told, I talked previously about how we made Kindles, and, um, and I talked about uh, Graveyard's Barometer in my last podcast. Uh, this is one of the ones that sort of, it made other cards into that, and basically what it said is, uh, you got an effect if you played a card that you'd already played. And so what it did was, they were cards that kind of wanted you to play duplicates. Um, and this is one of the things, where I thought they were really fun cards, they look kind of neat, it rewards you for playing duplicate cards, something we don't do that much, uh, but it just, uh, the power level was low, and... I think they got played for fun, but they never really... They never saw as much play as I was hoping they would see. Um, but, and, and I don't know if they... Do they have a shrine subtype now? It's funny, because they're shrines, but they don't have the shrine subtype, at least unless they, we retroactively gave them to them. We might have, because they're named shrines in the name. Next, Battle of Wits. Battle of Wits. 
Okay, so battle wits. Oh, one of the things I'm going to try to do where I can is explain what cards are. Like a Togatog -tog was, was he a 1-2 or a 2-3 or a 2-4? Anyway, a Togatog -tog was an A-Tog that ate A-Togs. Even Shrine and the sh like Shrines were all cards, they were enchantments, that when you played uh, a card that you already had in the graveyard, so you played a duplicate card or a card that you'd milled or something, uh, it generated an effect. Um, so um, Battle of Wits is, is an enchantment that says, at the beginning of your turn, I think, it triggers, it triggers I think at the beginning of your turn, if you have 200 or more cards in your library, you win the game. Um, and so, what it, most people don't remember this, but it was a cycle of, we made a cycle of all-to-win cards that were spread throughout the entire Odyssey block. Um, I think two of them were in this set. It was two, two, and one, I think. Um, anyway, the, there was Chance Encounters, if I remember them, I didn't write these all down. Uh, so Chance Encounter was a coin-flipping one. Mortal Kombat, uh, there was a white one that had to do with life gain, and a green one that had to do with creatures... I don't remember their names because I didn't write them down. But anyway, there were five. Um, all of them were like, at the beginning of a turn, if something is true, and the something had to be something that played into what the color did. Blue needed a large deck because, um, well, no, I guess blue liked knowledge. Uh, it was thematically tied. Um, green had to have a certain number of creatures in play, and black had a certain number of cards in the graveyard, I think. And red, you had to win some coin flips, and white had to have life gain at a certain level. Um, so... Anyway, it's funny that uh, of them all, Battle of Wits went on to really be the showstopper. Um, uh, and, and the reason is, it ended up being the one card that actually ended up being fringe-constructed, meaning it, it saw play and constructed. When we say fringe, it's a R&D term, which says um, they tend to talk about Tier 1, Tier 2, and fringe. So Tier 1 means absolutely, positively, they, they know for sure, um, or they have strong, strong belief that this is going to be a major player. Tier 2 means they think it's going to show up and it's going to have, um, have some relevance, but it's, you know, it's not a guaranteed, it's not Tier 1, but, yeah, they think it'll see some play. And then fringes, eh, they're not sure. Maybe it'll see, maybe it won't. It's a shot at constructed, but you don't know. Um, and so this card was made, made, ended up being a card that did show up a little bit in tournaments. Um, it, it's a very fun deck just because it requires you to play so many cards, so there's a lot of variance to the deck, although... People who usually abuse it have tutors and things. Um, but anyway, and Battle of Wits is the kind of card that keeps coming back. It's been in the court set a bunch of times now. Um, people often talk about this, where we'll make something as part of a cycle, and then yeah, one of the cards just stands out, and then that card gets repeated, but the cycle, you know, uh, people kind of forget that it was originally part of a cycle, and this is one of those cards that was, in fact, started as part of a cycle. Um, I like Battle of Wits. It's one of... Uh, um, I mean, I've made a lot of cards over the years, thousands, thousands of cards. But uh, I kind of when I look back at the ones that I'm kind of the most proud of, it, it, it's, it's near the top. It's just like it's a fun, goofy card that does a lot of neat stuff, but it actually showed up a little bit, meaning it was good enough that people played and constructed. And it's the kind of card that I don't know. I'm happy to have made. Um, next is Bearscape. So Bearscape. So remember. So some of my stories today, by the way. Um, Think about my card-by-card card stories. Some of them are design stories, because I have a designer, and I was the lead designer. Uh, but some of them have to do with creative elements. Now, remember, for this set, I was in charge of names and flavor text and creature types, because um, I was sort of the function creative team member on the set, because the, the creative team was going through flux. Bill came to me and said, would I mind for this set doing names and flavor text? I said, sure. Um, I had done names and flavor text for Unglued, so I had done before. 
Um, and we'll, today we'll talk about some of the some of the cards I picked. I picked because they have creative elements. Bearscape is one such card. So uh, what does Bearscape do? Um, it is an enchantment that allows you to get bear tokens. I don't remember how it gets, but it's in, all you need to know for this story is it's an enchantment and allows you to generate bear, to, bear, to, bear tokens. Uh, tutu tokens. Because uh, apparently in magic, tutus are bears. For the record, by the way, that seems... I, I believe we have, we have uh, maligned bears. I believe bears deserve better than a tutu. Uh, like, for example, you're like a 1-1, one, one, a hero, like a mighty man, you give him a sword, like, you know, that's a 1-1. One, one. I don't know, I think a, like, a, like a black bear could take two, uh, or a grizzly bear could, could take two, uh, well, armed soldiers, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but anyway, I, I think bears are a little more, uh, deserve more than two-two. That's pro-bear. Um, anyway, the story about Bearscape was, uh, I, seriously, I mean, we have goofy names that we use. I'll talk about playtest names and, um, but I was trying to get a name for this card and for a while, I would say maybe a week, um, I was seriously contemplating calling this card Bear Supply. Um, now for those that don't get the joke, uh, there's a 70s group called Air Supply that I was making fun of. And the reason I actually didn't do the name was not because it was a pun, because that would not stop me. Uh, I, 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 wasn't, I did do things like Grizzly Fate and uh, grape, uh, Apes of Wrath. and So I, I've made my squeeze toy. I've made my share of puns. Um, but uh, this particular one, uh, I didn't think enough people would get the reference. It wasn't that I, I disliked the pun. Uh, I thought a 70s band was just too... Not enough people would get it, and so I didn't want to name a card that people wouldn't understand the reference. But Bearscape came very close to being Bear Supply. Braids. So one of the things... Uh, so Braids is one of the characters from the story. So for those who don't know the Odyssey story, it takes place on Oteria, which is a continent of Dominaria that was far away from the other continents. Um, we had a lot of going on, so we were trying to tell a new story... Uh, and th- at this point, we weren't really... The Weatherlight Saga had hopped around a little bit from plane to plane, but we were back in Dominari, and for some reason, the creative team, which I, I didn't do the story part, I just did the name of Flavor Deck, they wanted to stay on Dominari, I don't remember why, but we went to Oteria, and um, it was about Kamal and the Pit Fighters, and so one of the things was the Pit Fighters were run by the Cabal Patriarch, uh, who was another card, and... One of the little shticks about all the fighters that were there is, like, they were named after attributes of them. Like, one of them was Chainer, because he had chains on him, and Braids had braids in her hair. And, you know, they, they, it was just, their names were based on attributes. Um, and Braids, I th- think, originally was just, I think it was a thro- originally it was, like, just kind of a joke. Um, like, the, once we got the, the attributes of the names, like, I think I made a piece of flavor text or something where... Like, once we had the attribute of, oh, they're named after things, I, I, I called somebody Braids, I think. And, and then it was sort of like, oh, I don't know, it took a life on its own, and we ended up making the character Braids. Um, which went on to be very popular card. So what Braids does is every upkeep, it makes you sacrifice something. Because Braids is a little unstable um, as a character. She, I mean, seriously, like, mental unstable. Uh, she has mental issues. And she was a little crazy. Um, and so she makes you, each player has to sacrifice something every turn. Uh, and she was a very interesting card. She actually actually being a pretty decent card. And she also saw some constructive play. Um, but it's funny that uh, sometimes 
I mean, the way it works now is the creative team will come to us and tell us the story and say, these are the characters we want to focus on. Uh, and then either later design, early development, we make the characters. Um, some of them are planeswalkers, some of them are legendary creatures. Um, but back in the day, things were a little looser. And sometimes we would just entertain ourselves and end up making characters we thought were funny, and then we'd make cards out of them. Um, it's a little more organized than that now, but uh, Braids is an example of that. So next is Call of the Herd. So Call of the Herd is a flashback creature. Oh, so, um, so it's, for 2G, you make a 3-3 creature, and then for 3G, you can flash it back. But it's a sorcerer that makes a token. So one of the things that went on with flashback was that flashback only, made, only worked on permanent. I'm sorry, on uh, not permanent, on non-permanent, on instants and sorceries. Um, but we really wanted the ability to make some creatures. So the, the solution was that we can make some token creatures, and that way, you know, it, it was a sorcerer instant, it made a token, and then you could make another token. But because, uh, because it was token, the card still went to the graveyard, and you could flash it back. Uh, if it was a creature, it didn't quite work. Now, years later, I would make the unearth mechanic, which essentially was my way of doing creature flashback. Um, but we'll talk more about that when we get to... What set was that? That was Shards of Alara. Um, so, uh, so what we did is uh, we des- I decided that I wanted to do creatures and we'd use tokens to make that. And then I ended up making green. All of green's flashback, or most of green's flashback was token making. So green kind of had the creature making um, flashback. Uh, and the reason is that green for a long time was the creature color. Um, why, why do I say for a long time? Because eventually we realized the kind of green and white were the creature color. The green had the bigger creatures, but white had more creatures. Uh, so for a long time, green had both the most creatures and the biggest creatures. And we decided that, like, we needed more definition. Uh, and white was the army color, so we decided that, well, white would go wide and green would go tall. So white now, white has more creatures than green. And get, they're smaller and it gets it up faster. But green has ramping and has larger creatures. And so white will beat you with its army of creatures and green will beat you with its giant creatures. But green only needs a few giant creatures to beat you where white needs lots of little creatures to make its army. Um, oh, by the way, also since I was... Did the uh, name of the flavor One of the things that was, I was very cute is the all of the um, flashback creatures were all um, about sounds because they had to generate the creature. Or, so I mean, not sounds, but all it was all blink of the blink. So it was like you know, uh, chatter of the squirrel. I'll get to in a second, but like chatter of the squirrel and call of the herd, and um, they they all had a, a naming convention to feel like both I'm, I'm a spell, but also that I had a, a reference to the creature. I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Cease fire. Okay. Cease fire is, a, is an interesting story. Uh, and, and so once upon a time, way back when, back when we're talking about in the Odyssey days, um, one of the things that we would do is, uh, right now, Jeremy Jarvis is our director. He's very good. He gets magic. He understands. He does a very good job of explaining to the artist what we need. Because something important to understand, the vast, vast, vast majority of our artists do not play the game of magic. And so, and in fact, we don't even tell them, um, we don't tell them what the card does because they don't even play the game. We just give them our description. And that um, one of the things that's tricky sometimes is people, if, they, if the artist, the art director isn't clear, sometimes the art will come back in a way that causes problems. And I have a bunch of examples later on. Um, but one of the things we used to do was um, we would get art that didn't quite work for what we wanted. And so we would have this period of time late in the process where a bunch of us would sit down 
and we take all the art and we spread it out and take all the cards. And the first thing we do is certain art had to go with, like, look, this card is this thing, that art shows it, it's one for one, this card and that art, that, that definitely needs to stay together, they meant to go together. And as much as possible, we kept the art that was meant for the picture to stay with the picture. But normally what would happen is, we'd end up with some art where, like, first of all, we'd get some art that just did, would not work. And like I said, I have some stories coming up about why they wouldn't work, but just art where you're like, oh, that doesn't really convey what this is supposed to convey, um... And then we'd have some art that was kind of neutral that could go, like, could go in the card it came with, but it wasn't tied to that card. It was general enough that maybe it'd go in a different card. And so what we would do is we'd swap around things um, and that, you know, we'd mix and match. But what always would happen is we'd end up with one card at the end where it's like, oh, we have an ambiguous piece of art and we have, you know, and, and that, it, it would be, I was the creative person. So my job was, um, okay, so when the dust settled, when all the thing was done, I had a white card that prevented you from casting spells, I believe. Yeah, players can't, target player can't play a spell this turn. Uh, it costs two W. Um, and it's a, it must be an instant because you play it on your opponent's turn. Um, so the card kept them from playing spells. The art we had, the art that got left over when all the dust settled, was, uh, it was these even, or that's not the even, these monks with a fire... So it, it, it was characters from white, so we knew it had to be white aligned, and they were sitting in front of, like, this fire that was smoking. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, here's, here's the task before me. Somehow I have a card about not playing spells, and I have these uh, nomad monk things sitting in front of fire. Uh, and I just had to make that make sense. Like, why do monks casting, why does monks in a fire keep you from casting spells? No idea. Uh, and so I just had to get creative. And so, Cease Fire was my name. Because basically, it, this is the trick is, it had to be a name that when you looked at the card ability, you said, oh, Cease Fire, stop, it, it stops spells from happening. Oh, Cease Fire is when you stop things. Uh, and you look at the art and go, oh, it's a fire. Cease Fire, okay, it's a fire. And then just like, it all, like, you know, as long as the name made sense with the art and the name made sense with the mechanic, it all kind of blends together. Like, oh, Cease Fire, oh, it's a magic that stops things. And oh, but it's a fire, you know. And then, I'm not sure what people make up in their head, but I knew that, like, fire was just vague. It was very vague what the picture was. And like, oh, well, they're monks and they're casting some weird spell and this, it's fire magic or something or smoke magic. Um, but anyway, I was very proud of that just because it was like, you know, it was a puzzle. And uh, we, don't, we don't assemble more sets like that anymore. But um, I have some fun stories of just trying to fit that last, last card in. And I was very proud of this one because they had nothing to do with each other. So I, I, was, I, I, thought, I thought it was a great... Uh, it was a good accomplishment to sort of make it all make sense. Chatter of the squirrels. So let me talk about squirrels. Um, so I am a fan of squirrels. Uh, I talked about during the Mirage podcast of how um, I tried to get squirrels into... Uh, what was the card called? Uh, Waiting in the Weeds. Um, and the art, the art direction was supposed to be that you didn't see the creatures. There, you just saw their like eyes in the forest, um, and they were supposed to be squirrels. It was the first card that ever made squirrels. And then, and then, the art came back, and the artist had drawn cats, and so we had to change it to cats. So squirrels didn't make it into Mirage. So I was intent in getting squirrels into Magic. Um, squirrels didn't make any. My, my first set was Tempest, but squirrels made no sense in the world of Wrath. Um, it just didn't. It didn't fit. Um, and so, back when we, my, ne- my next step was Urza's Destiny. Um, in Urza's Legacy, I did card concepting. Um, and, oh, I also did, um, I made the card, what's the name of the card? It's a creature, 
with the Echo uh, Hermit Druid. Not Hermit Druid. Hermit Druid? No. Uh, it's a Druid. It's not Hermit Druid. It is... Ah, I'm blanking the name. Anyway, it's an Echo creature that when it comes into play, it um, m- makes a squirrel token or a couple squirrel tokens, and then it grants all squirrels a bonus. What is the name of that card? Um, Aaron Forsyth used it. Angry Hermit. Angry, no, Angry Druid, Angry, Angry Hermit? Was it called Angry Hermit? Okay, my, sometimes, see, I, I did my research ahead of time. I wrote down names of cards I need to talk about, but I did not do research on cards affiliated with it. Anyway, I, in Urza Saga Block, I, I definitely did some, I was in charge of card concepting for Urza's Legacy, so like, my oak showed a squirrel, and I got a squirrel on an Echo card, so I got a few squirrels into, into Urza Saga. But come Odyssey, uh, I decided... You know what? Let's have some fun with creature types. And obviously, I did not know what was coming. I did not know uh, that we were going to be doing uh, Tribal the next set and Onslaught. Um, but one of the things I did is every year we have a little... Uh, the green makes tokens every year. Green's always making tokens. And usually there's one one tokens that green makes. Uh, some years they're saprolings. Some years they're elves. So this year, for Odyssey, I got to make them squirrels. And why? Because I was the guy who got to decide what the creature types were. So... Um, the creature type wonkiness in Odyssey was all my doing. Um, I was the one that said, let's not do the staples, let's try different things. I was also the one that said, let's do squirrels. Um, so Odyssey is kind of where squirrels came in their own. In fact, it's where squirrels got themselves in trouble. Um, okay, I'll, t- I'll tell the, the, the squirrel story. So one of the things... Oh, no, no, no. I, I had that story coming. It's on another card. I, hang on, and you will learn the fate of the squirrels. That, that story is coming. Um, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Next is Elephant, Elephant Ambush, which, by the way, is one of the few cards that does not match my naming, uh, although it's an instant, other ones are sorceries. Um, we just thought this name was funny. I think it's one of the things where we named the card in design, and everybody really, really liked it. Um, and I did the card concepting for the set, and so uh, probably today you would not see this card. So the card concept, for those who have never seen this card, it's called Elephant Ambush, and... Let's see, for 2GG uh, instant, you get to put a 3-3 creature into play, a token into play, and for 6GG, you can flash it back. Um, so the picture is, it's called Elephant Ambush, of an elephant hiding behind a tree. Because <laughs> the idea was an instant. It's like, aha, you wouldn't expect an elephant. Um, and I, I will admit, this is, a little, this is a little silly that by today's standards, we're not quite that silly. Um, uh, but I, I thought it was I thought it was funny, and the reason the name doesn't match all the other conventions is A was an instant, and B I, we liked the name. I I don't know. I probably should have been consistent. Um, ambush of the elephant. I guess if I called it ambush of the elephant, it would have been fine. Um, anyway, uh, and the art is I don't know. The art tickles my fancy. It's still, in fact, I was doing this. I was looking at cards to prepare for today, and I laughed again because the, the elephant because the elephant is hiding behind a tree, but he's an elephant, so you can see he's there. Um, anyway. It makes me laugh. Uh, what's next? Next is Engulfing Flames. Oh, now I get a story of art. Okay, so Engulfing Flames. So somewhere in the card, I don't even remember what the original card was, the art description was, we need an elephant made of fire. An elephant made of fire. Created from fire. Like, magically, like, it is a, a beast, you know, magically made of fire that looks like an elephant. And I don't, I don't know... Where we were going with this, uh, Fire Finch, or I, I have no idea what the actual card was. But anyway, that, that was the art description. So we get the, we get the art back, 
and the artist had drawn an elephant on fire. You know, and not not in like the human torch kind of way, where it's like clearly he's empowered and he's, he's lit on fire. No, it looked like a poor elephant, that, like someone had lit on fire that was like in horrible pain. And so we're like, oh, we can't. This doesn't work. Like, because like, we were planning to make like you know an elephant elemental, and like you know it's I don't know what we're gonna call it, but you know, um, uh, and, you know, engulfed elephant or something. I, I don't know what we're gonna call it. Um, but we got the art back. And we're like, oh, this this looks like this elephant's in pain. Like, so it looks like the spell wasn't... The elephant wasn't the wasn't a creature spell. It was like a direct damage spell, and you're hitting an elephant. So we changed it to engulfing flames, so we turned it into a direct damage spell um, because it looked too much in pain to be a creature... Uh, to be a creature card, meaning, you know, that it, it couldn't, you couldn't focus on the elephant because the focus seemed to be the elephant in pain rather than the elephant. So it became engulfing flames. Next is Entomb. Oh, I promised I would tell the Entomb story. So one of the things that I find funny... so. Uh, in Mirrodin, I believe, I have the, I don't know, honor is the correct word, uh, the infamous honor of passing Richard Garfield as being the designer of more banned cards, banned slash restricted cards. Um, I mentioned Entomb, because Entomb at one point got restricted. Uh, so the funny thing was, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'm messing around areas that you're like, I made Yogmas bargain when I did Urza's Destiny, I mean given I was trying to make a greed variant and not a necro variant, but nonetheless, I, I was trading cards for life. That's dangerous territory. If you tell me later, you know, it's, this card has to get restricted or banned, I'm like, okay, I was, I was messing in dangerous territory. This one caught me off guard. This was just like, we had a graveyard set, we wanted things in the graveyard, things were active in the graveyard. I'm just like, I mean, this was solely a Johnny card for me to go, okay, hey, this fun, this neat little fun things you can do with this. And... I don't think power level, that's not how development works. That's not how design works. Development does power level, so I'm just like, this is a fun, goofy little card. I, for the life of me, if you told me, okay, you know, when I was handing Odyssey over, one of these cards is going to be restricted slash banned in, in certain formats, uh, which card? I, I, I would not get this card in a million years. What it does show me is that my job to shift where card advantage was from uh, in play and in hand to the graveyard was mightily successful because this card basically was draw a card and not just as a tutor right it's like tutor for the exact card you need fine it had to be a subset of cards that were advantageous in the graveyard but essentially it was just a tutor and tutors are good tutors are very very good flame burst um oh this is another okay so um I wanted to do kindle flame burst is the kindle um why didn't I bring back Kindle, by the way? I'm not sure. I think I wanted to do a whole cycle of them, and I decided that I wanted to connect the cycle so they felt connected, and I didn't feel that I could do Kindle and have them match up and make sense, so I changed it to Flame Burst. I believe, I think it's, I, it, it, I think uh, Flame Burst is just, I think it's just Kindle, I think. Um, anyway, the funny story about this card is, so the art that's on this card was actually, if you take the art and turn it upside down, that card was given to us as an Avon. Um, in fact, an Avon that had protection from red. Um, so what happened was, I think the artist was instructed to show, because it had protection from red, that it was like the, the flame was supposed to be bouncing off them or something, like it was impervious to red magic. And we saw this and we're like, okay, that doesn't look impervious. That kind of looks uh, pervious. So, um, you know, like it didn't... 
So once again, we're like, okay, well, this can't be, this can't be a Avon, especially an Avon that's production from Red. Um, so what we did is we flipped it upside down and made it a drug damage spell. So uh, I'm sure uh, we don't often flip the art. That was kind. Of, I mean, and we would not do that nowadays. That, that that's uh, back back. We were a little wild back in the days. But anyway, the, the art turned in. I'm pretty sure it was flipped and it was turned in for a, a protection from Red Avon, which if you look at the art does not. Uh, does not really seem like a Avon that's just shrugging off red magic. Next, Gallantry and Repentant Vampire. So Gallantry is a spell that, what, gives plus four, plus four? Um, it's a cantor that gives plus four, plus four to a creature. Uh, blocking creature, I think. And Repentant Vampire is a black vampire that at threshold, when you have seven more uh, cards in your graveyard, turns into a white vampire that kills black things. So... What happened was, when I was making... So I... For those who don't know, I'm in that great mystery here. I am a giant fan of Joss Whedon. I've been trying to meet Joss Whedon. I made a video. I'll probably make... I, I will continue my quest to meet Joss Whedon. Um, but anyway, I'm a big fan. He made Angel and Buffy. So Angel the Vampire Slayer and Buffy... Sorry. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Uh, Angel is a spinoff of Buffy. So Buffy uh, is this... For those who've never seen the show, uh, she's a cheerleader... Uh, a, a, a blonde the person who usually in a horror movie you would expect to get attacked by the monsters except in this universe she's the slayer and she goes at she, she kills vampires and other monsters and she's the hero of the show uh, she ends up having uh, she falls in love with a vampire with a soul named Angel who's a good vampire uh, and Angel ends up being spin, spun off on his own show uh, anyway I wanted to make a not so oh, oh I know what it was I was making a threshold card, and I decided that it might be fun to make an angel card. So the idea was, it was a black vampire that they would turn, and when they turned, they became a good vampire, and they started killing other things. In the story, by the way, for those that don't know Angel, he was an evil, evil vampire. All vampires in the world of Buffy are, are evil. They have no soul. Um, but he was cursed by a gypsy and given his soul back, uh, so that he would realize the horror of what he'd done. So... Without the soul, he was known as Angelus. He was as like, evil as evil comes, the evilest of vampires. But once he had a soul, he became good, and he, he, he would fight other vampires. He helped Buffy and the Scooby gang fight. The Scooby gang was her, side, what they called the sidekicks that, she, that fought with her. Um, and anyway, uh, he got spun off on his own show where he was a detective, and both, both are worth your while if you've never seen them. Um, okay, so I wanted to make an angel card, and so I came up with the idea of Pen Vampire. And then, um, when we were drawing the art, I sort of made mention to somebody. Mark Tadine did the art. I'm not sure. Maybe I wrote this in the art description? Anyway, I asked Mark Tadine if he could draw um, uh, the Repentant Vampire, and I sort of hinted it was Angel, uh, and draw next to him, uh, fighting the same art with him, a blonde girl fighting with a ponytail. Because... Uh, Buffy had blonde hair and ponytail. Um, and when we got the picture back, um, the girl's hair was a little dark. It looked more brown than blonde. So we actually asked him if we could fix it, and we ended up making it blonde. And then uh, the art, that art went on gallantry. So the, the, the art of the woman kicking butt is on gallantry, and the pen vampire is on pen vampire. Um, but if you put them together, they're actually one giant piece of art that go together. Um, and that is my little nod to Buffy and Angel. Um, a little Easter egg, if you will. Um, also, if you notice how the vampire is dressed, that uh, Tadine definitely, I mean, it's, 
it's 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 fits Odyssey, but it has a little sort of a a little bit of a, a angel look to it. So anyway, that was uh, Odyssey's little Easter egg uh, angel Buffy nod. Um, uh, we we try to find Easter eggs where we can. I did a few of them in Invasion, not Invasion, in Indistrad. But anyway, I, I, we don't do tons of them these days. But I, when I can, I like to do a little bit. Gorilla Titan. So I talked about Gorilla Titan on my other podcast um, about how uh, maybe I told the story, but I'll tell it again quickly. Which is we wrote this Gorilla Titan was this giant green gorilla, and we wrote this flavor text that like uh, I forget the flavor text, but it was, like dram- dramatic about oh, I'm a big bad gorilla, and then we got the art, and the art was really goofy, and we're like okay. And then I put it up on the bulletin board, and people wrote down notes, uh, wrote down the like, captions. Uh, and the reason I got that from is when I worked on Roseanne, we used to do that all the time. Is every week we'd, we'd cut out a uh, picture from the newspaper, and then you would write captions. And whoever had the winning caption, uh, and, and the person who put out the picture would pick the winning caption. They got to put the, post the picture for the next week. And I came in second, like six weeks, but I never won at the Roseanne caption contest, which, by the way, is Roseanne writer. So it was, it was, t- it was, it was competitive. And I always get really, really, really close. I almost, almost won, but I was like one behind. Um, but anyway, I had that idea, and we used it. Um, and like I said, it, it's this art that made both the top five and the bottom five. Well, the art is, uh, he's holding his hands out, and so the, the, the flavor text was, I, I want a banana this big, um, which made me laugh, still makes me laugh. Um, once again, one of my themes of the day is I was pushing boundaries when I was doing names and flavor text. Um, one of the ways I was pushing them was with, with humor, like Elf and Ambush and stuff. Um, it's my personal belief that we could push the envelope and humor a little more. Now, I'm the guy who made Unhinged, and I'm a comedy writer, so I have a lot of reason to, to want to push comedy. Uh, but, I, you know, if, if I was in charge of Neiman Slater text, I probably would have a little more humor than we have now. Um, I want it to be in... I don't want unhumor in Blackboard sets, but I, I do want... I do think there's more opportunity to, to have humor... I think one day I'm doing a humor podcast where I talk about the five colors and how they saw humor. And anyway, maybe one day I'll do that. Uh, next is Ground Seal. Uh, so this is an enchantment where, uh, for, for a single green mana, that kept cards in the graveyard from being uh, targeted. And the idea was, you know, it's a seal and protects the ground, and the graveyard's in the ground, and, like, somehow you're protecting your graveyard. Um, but... This is the perfect example of how the danger of words. So I made a card called Ground Seal, and then everyone like, oh, that's not at all what I was expecting. And like, you know, what, what were we expecting? Like, some people were like, yeah, I was kind of expecting like Seal Hamburger, like something you'd see at, you know, the Eskimo drive-in. Like, ooh, what's, what, what do we have tonight? Oh, Ground Seal. I'll, I'll try some of the Ground Seal. So anyway, I did not see that... <laughs> Sometimes when you have... One of the weird things is... Um, and this happens a lot where in creative, you just have a certain mindset and then just you don't see the other mindset like ground seal. Oh, it's a seal that seals the ground and, and then I don't see oh ground seal. And, and anyway, a lot of jokes on that card. I, I always find it funny. Next, Haunting Echoes. Okay, so Haunting Echoes costs 3 BB. You remove... You exile the, uh, a target player's graveyard from the game and then all copies of those cards from hand and library, um, and I think the battlefield as well, go away. It, 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 like, it wipes away everything that's in the battlefield, including everything related to it. So once I get one copy, I get all copies. Um, and anyway, I'm going to explain a concept I call a hat trick. So in the second graphics, I talk about there's Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. Um, some cards are made for Timmy. Some cards are made for Johnny. Some cards are made for Spike. Hunting Echoes is... Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun! A hat trick! 
So it had a, a big, grandiose, splashy effect. Timmy's liked it. It just was, it, it was impactful. Like, it made something happen, and you remembered it happened. Very Timmy. Um, Spikes liked it. It was powerful. It was actually a very good card. It got, it got used quite a bit. It was sideboarded a lot. It was just a powerful card. Uh, and John just liked it because it just, it allowed you to do a lot of cool things. You know, you can manipulate things, and you can interact with trying to get cards in their graveyard so you can have a giant effect happen. Um, but anyway, it was a card that was popular with Timmy's and Johnny's and Spike's. A hat trick. Uh, we don't do those all the time. They're hard to do. Um, and not all of them, like, coming out of the gate, I didn't know... For example, I didn't know this card was going to be... Something Spike's were going to like, because I didn't realize it was going to be that good. But, you know... And, and so the interesting thing about it is that I'm kind of happy when they happen. You, you, you don't often know they're going to happen until after the, kind of the dust settles and everything sort of... You know, the lights... The, everything aligns. Like, oh. But anyway, one of, one of the hat tricks, and uh, I was happy. I, I'm, like I said, it's one of my cards, and um, I, I was proud of it. I mean, one of the things that's interesting that, is that um, when you make magic, I've been making magic, uh, by the time you've heard of this, I, I will have had, celebrated my 18th anniversary. So 18 years, 18 years. And people are like, don't you just run out of things to do? Like, I, aren't there only so many combinations of things you can do? And I'm like, no, actually, magic's pretty robust. Um, and one of the fun things is just, like, this is a card where, like, okay, we've done cards, exile cards from Graveyard, and we've had cards that affect cards in hand and lobotomy effects, and this is one of those cards that said, oh, what if I crisscross creature, uh, Graveyard exiling with lobotomy, and it just kind of worked out, and, um, and like, I, I think a lot of, there's a lot of fun just mixing matching effects or just finding, you know, um, it is true that it's hard to find an effect we've never done before. But it's not that hard to find combinations of effects that we haven't mixed and matched before. There's a lot of combinations. There's a lot of effects, so a lot of combinations. I see Wizards up above. So I'm going to pick one last card here and talk about it, which is Holistic Wisdom, which is uh, enchantment for one GG. For two, you exile a card from your hand, and then you can go get a card out of your graveyard that matches the card type in your hand. So um, this is one of the... So one of the things about designing cards is... It's very important that you, as a designer, don't just design for yourself. It's a very big problem that we get early in design, is that uh, novice designers understand what they like, but they don't always understand what other people like. And so they keep making cards that they like. It's like, well, I know this card would be popular. I like it. And so they keep making cards that they'll enjoy. Um, and so you, with time, you kind of have to learn that you, know, you, you can't always do that, that you have to learn how to make cards for other players, not just yourself. That's it, that's it, that's said. It doesn't mean you can make cards for yourself. It just means, you know, you have to be careful how many you make. Holistic Wisdom, 100%, 100% was like, I love the game of Magic. I would love to play this card. I'm going to make it so that I can play this card. This card was as selfish as they come. It just plays in the kind of stuff I love. I love regrowth effects. I, lo- I love combination stuff. I like Johnny cards. This is just me going, I would have a blast with this card. Now, it turned out a lot of other people had a blast with this card, so I don't feel too bad. Uh, but this was as selfish a design as they come. This was, I want this card. This seems cool. And so I made it. Anyway, as predicted, I did not get through all the cards. I'm hoping maybe next time I'll get through. So probably one more podcast is my guess. But anyway, thanks for joining me today in my talk through uh, cards. I see uh, there's some traffic today, so you guys got a little extra content. Uh, and it was raining because they cannot drive. For a place that rains all the time, they cannot drive. Seattle ra- drivers cannot drive in the rain. But anyway, it's fun talking Odyssey with you. But I got to go because it's time for me to be making magic. See you next time, guys.